You're listening to the sermon podcast of Mountain View Church. Whether you're here catching up on last week's message or digging through a past series, we're so grateful you've tuned in today. Our prayer is the next 30 to 40 minutes helps you become a more whole follower of Jesus. If you're local and would like to join us, we'd love to see you this Sunday. For those who can't make it in person, services are also streamed on Facebook and YouTube. All the information about service times, what we have for kids, and much more can be found on our website, almsville.church. Now, let's open our hearts and minds to today's message. Glad you're here. My name is Mike, lead pastor at Mountain View. Uh, we start a brand new series today, and we're going to just jump right into it. I want to I wanna show you guys a picture, actually a series of pictures. Uh, this is a road that runs between the capital city of La Paz in Bolivia uh, and runs all the way to a city named Caracao, I think is how you, how you pronounce that, in, in deep, pretty deep in the, the Amazon rainforest. It's about 22 miles. It was originally built in the 1930s by hand. They dug this thing out. Uh, and you could tell, let me just put it that way. You, you could tell that it was built in 1930 and by hand. Um, it was built originally so farmers could transport their goods to market between these two major cities. And the problem is, um, it's extremely dangerous, as you might be able to tell from that road. How many of you would drive on that? A few of you, Okay. Um, not only does it have hairpin turns that are barely wide enough for one car, uh, but the weather could change in an instant. It's a rainforest. Weather changes really dramatically. Fog rolls in like this, you see on the screen. Um, uh, uh, landslides are, are quite frequent and, and common. Um, and so because of this, this road has been nicknamed El Camino de la Muerte. Uh, I don't know a lot of Spanish, but muerte means death. Okay, that means the road of death. During the 90s, it was estimated around 300 people lost their lives on this road every single year, uh, the worst of which was a bus of school children uh, that plunged 1,000 feet and 100 people on the bus passed away. Um, it was named the deadliest road in, in the world at that time. Things have actually improved Right? They've gotten a lot better. This road is far less dangerous than it used to be, far less deaths on that road than there used to be. Any guesses why? They stopped driving it. <laughs> Some of you are like, I know the series title. <laughs> they stopped driving it. They were like, this is too dangerous. So they built another road um, in 2006 nearby that connects the same routes. And on that road is paved. Uh, it's two lanes. It's got much better drainage, and they added metal guardrails. They added guardrails. Now, the old rail is, or sorry, the old road is still there. It's mostly used as mountain biking. Um, guides will take you to the top of this road, and, and you'll bite back, uh, mountain bike down the road. There's still some deaths, unfortunately, because of that. But on even the old road, they finally realized, you know, we should install some guardrails in some of these worst spots. And so that's actually improved. That, that road is no longer considered the most dangerous in the world. There's actually other roads that now have been named that. Can you imagine winning that award, by the way? Like, we did it. Like, no, you failed. That's, you didn't. Anyway, um, as we start the new year, my guess is you've got some great ideas about how this year is going to go for you. I already said, I said, happy new year to someone else earlier. They said, well, it can't be any worse than last year. I'm like, well, that's, 
That's a great, yeah, welcome to church. Uh, but my, my guess is you've got some goals, right? This is that time of year. You start thinking about where do I want to go this year? What do I want to do? Hopefully, who do I want to be? Um, B goals are always more important than do goals, by the way. Um, they, they coexist together, but I would encourage you to set B goals just as much as you set do goals. And that's great. Like, I'm a huge goal guy. You ask any of our staff, I'm always, like, setting goals for our team at our church and, you know, where do I want to go personally? I have a ton of great goals myself personally that I can't wait to start. Someday. Like, <laughs> March, maybe. May. Okay. Goals are good. Goals are great. Goals give us a clear destination. They give us direction, how to direct our energy, how to direct our resources and our days and our time. But here's the thing. Goals do us no good if we fall off the cliff along the way. You can have a destination. You could have a direction. All that's awesome. If you fall off the cliff before you get there, your goal did you no good. Do you know how many people have incredible goals for their life? You know, things like, I'm going to set the sales record in my company this year. Or, or my team, we're going to do it. We're going to win the championship. We're going to, you know, I'm going to be MVP of the league, whatever it is. I, maybe more personal or relational. I'm going to be the best daddy in the whole world to this little girl. I'm, I am going to be the best husband. I'm going to, you know, our household, our whole family, we're going to do this thing together. They're amazing goals. But they never quite got there because they get blindsided by something they didn't see coming. Or worse yet, I've seen this. People reach their goals. They reach the thing that they put all their energy, time, and thought into. They get there, and then they celebrate for a minute, and they, they take their eye off the road for just a second, and they drive right off a cliff. Right? Goals are awesome. Goals can give us a sense of direction for our lives, but guardrails keep us on the road long enough to get there. So the name of the series is Guardrails. Before we go any further, I want to just be totally up front because sometimes this catch, catches people off guard. Pun intended. Um, this series, the name of this series, uh, a lot of the content of the series comes from Andy Stanley, church named North Point, uh, one of my favorite churches that I follow in, in Georgia. He, he's preached through this series at least twice that I know over the last decade. And, and I'm borrowing heavily from him and heavily from this, their series. Number one, because he's one of the best communicators on the planet, um, even if he wasn't a pastor, like he's just an incredible speaker. And number two, I think the things he shares aren't his truths. I think they're God's truths. And, and I think they're truths that if we would apply to our lives would make such a huge difference. And I think Andy would agree like, yeah, put it out there. Spread the word. So I want to give credit to Andy Stanley. I want to give credit to North Point Church. I'm sure you're watching our live stream. I can't imagine you've got anything else going on in your morning today. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, thank you for this content. Okay, not all of it, but, but a lot of it. In fact, next week, we're actually going to watch a, a video um, of his. So uh, what, what are guardrails? Right, let's define those. Because we see them all the time, right? On the sides of the road, uh, maybe in the median, on bridges. They're made of concrete or they're made of steel, usually. Um, guardrails, the point of a guardrail is to minimize damage by preventing someone from straying into danger. Okay, to minimize damage by preventing someone from straying into danger. So there's two parts to that, right? The first part is to minimize damage. 
Now, if you drive, if you hit a guardrail, it, it's going to still cause some damage. You could still get hurt. Uh, your car could potentially get totaled, right? You might be really sore. You're going to have to spend quite a bit of money maybe to fix a car or replace a car. But that's better than losing your life. I think we would all agree with that. Um, so the goal number one of a guardrail is to minimize damage. Now, sadly, and someone showed me a picture after first service, sadly, you could actually still lose your life and hit a guardrail if you hit it the wrong way, wrong speed, wrong you know, direction. All, I understand that. But for the most part, the goal of a guardrail is to minimize damage. Okay? And then secondly, guardrails are a preventative tool. They're trying to prevent something. They're trying to stop something before it happens. So for example, if, if you look at this picture that, that we'll put up here, th- this is why guardrails are placed where they are. Do we got that picture back there? Okay, so you've got the safe zone. This is where you can drive. And then there's the danger zone. And where is the guardrail? Between them and a little in front of the danger zone, right? Do you see that there's some buffer? Like if that wasn't there and you were driving, you could still get a little bit into this gravel and probably save it and get back on the road, but why risk it? Why put it closer to the edge than it needs to be? Most guardrails aren't put right alongside the house they're trying to prevent you from hitting, or the person, or you know, the pedestrian crosswalk, or they're on the sharp turn, or whatever it is. They're put just a little bit before that to give you some margin. And I think we all look at that and go, yeah, that's smart. That just, that makes a lot of sense right there. Why would, I mean, you wouldn't put the guardrail in the danger zone, right? The whole point is to prevent you from going into the danger zone. None of us would argue against this idea. But most of us, I bet, we could probably think of a time in our lives where we wish we would have had something like this in place. Not for your car, but to minimize the damage that it caused your heart or your relationships or your your marriage or your finances or your friendships or your career. In fact, as I was thinking about this this week, God began to have a conversation with me. Sometimes I like when God speaks to me, and other times I'm like, dude, I'm not right now. Like, I don't, like, <laughs> and this is one of those where he was replaying stuff in my life where it occurred to me that most of the biggest regrets in my life could have been avoided if I would have gotten this right. He took me back to high school. He took me back to college. He took me back to early days of marriage. Those kind of things where he's like, man, if you would have figured this out back then, you could have saved yourself a lot of pain and a lot of regret. You could have saved other people from a lot of pain. If only I'd created a little more margin between myself and the danger, I could have avoided a lot of pain and regret. And I'm guessing you've got situations like that too in your past and your life, and we can't go back. There's a time machine. You're not going to go back. You can't fix those situations or change them, but you can learn from it, right? We can go, oh yeah, this, okay, if I would have, then, so now moving forward, I'm going to do something a little different. I can build some guardrails that will help me minimize damage and prevent me from straying into danger tomorrow or, or, or the next week. So that's kind of the, the, the gist of this entire series. And there's a lot of Old Testament passages that I think talk about the wisdom of boundaries and guardrails or whatever you want to call them. Today, we're going to be in the New Testament. Uh, if you've got a Bible, Ephesians chapter 5, and this is a passage I've preached on, I don't know, probably half a dozen times because um, it's just so foundational. But Ephesians chapter 5, 
Uh, there's Bibles in the seats now. Hallelujah. It only took us two and a half years for those to come in. Um, in the Bible app, click on events, right? And, uh, and it'll take you there. Ephesians chapter five, starting in verse 15. And we're gonna work our way through like three verses all morning, okay? Ephesians five, verse 15. Paul says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. So there's two ways you and I can live. Pretty easy, pretty simple. Way number one is we can be wise. Option two is we can be unwise, or what the Bible often calls foolish. Paul's gonna use that word in, in the next sentence. And I'm not calling you a fool. The Bible is sometimes. But the opposite of being wise is being a fool, right? Two options. And the difference, look, look at this passage, the difference between being wise and being a fool is how carefully you and I navigate life. How carefully we live. The Greek word translated as live there in, in the NIV is this word peripateo. It has this sense of walking. So some translations will say be very careful or be watchful at how you walk. Be careful how you walk. The image I get here is like, you ever see one of those spy movies where like Mission Impossible or something where they're trying to steal something or get to the bad guys or whatever and they enter a hallway and all of a sudden there's laser beams crisscrossing the entire room and like there's some smoke. So I don't know how the smoke gets there, but all of a sudden you can see the laser beams, right? And, and the guy's trying to get through the hallway and he's just doing all this kind of like, you know, matrixy type stuff. Do you see that? I'm not doing it again. Just turned 39. So don't want to pull a hammy, okay? But they're like crisscrossing through there, right? They're trying to get to the other side. Or here's a, here's a more maybe practical image for some of us. Some of us, if you have a, a big dog and a small yard and no one's been out back with the scooper in a while and you're like, you tell your, tell your neighbor something, oh yeah, it's out back. And then you're like, be careful. Uh, careful where you step. Careful how you walk. Okay, that's what Paul is saying. That's what it's like, he says, to try to live for God, to try to live a godly, holy life in this world. It's like walking through a field of lasers. It's like walking in a dirty backyard, right? Because listen to verse 16. Be careful how you live, not as wise as unwise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are what? Evil. Evil. That's a strong word. That's not a neutral word, is it? This is why you and I have to be wise. This is why we need wisdom. We are not living in neutral territory. This is why we need guardrails. There are landmines. There are, are booby traps all over the place, ready to try to trip us up, ready to try to knock us off course, to, to send us off the cliff. The days are evil. And if you were with us last summer, we, we, talked, we, we went through Paul's journeys and we talked a little bit about Ephesus and some of these towns and you know, you read about some of the evils of those places and the struggles and the temptations and the sins and stuff, and you go, it's, it's really not any different. It's really not any different than our world today. It just looks a little different, but they're basically the same problems. So we have to be careful how we walk. But here's the thing. We don't do it on our own. We don't have to be wise on our own. We don't have to navigate this world on our own. This is actually one of the things that Jesus tells his disciples 
that they can ask God for, for help with, right? However you called it growing up, whether it was the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer or whatever, you read that prayer, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, hey, teach us how to pray. And, and Jesus gives them this model. I don't think it means you have to only pray this prayer, obviously, but he gives them this model for prayer. And there's some things in there he says you can ask for. One of them is your daily bread. That's asking God to provide for your needs, right? Um, he says you could pray for uh, forgiveness, and all of us need to do that from time to time. But then he says this line towards the end. He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from what? Evil. evil. Or the evil one. Right? Jesus says when you pray, you can actually ask God to help you with exactly what Paul is saying you and I need to be able to do. So I guess to put that all together, you know, we need to exercise wisdom. We need to walk well. But it's not our wisdom that we're leaning on. And it's certainly not the world's wisdom because the world is evil. <laughs> it's the wisdom of God himself. It's the wisdom that God and his word and his way can give us that only he can give us. In fact, James verse 1, listen to this. James 1 verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, anybody in here lack wisdom? Just, you know, anybody? <laughs> Just me? Just me? Okay, cool. Any of you lacks wisdom, you should just think about it more and try harder. Oh, yeah, that's not what it says. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should watch Oprah. No, that's not it. What? If any of you lacks wisdom, oh, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So what wisdom do we need to walk carefully because the days are evil? Not our wisdom, not wisdom of the world. We need God's wisdom. Well, what, is, what does God think about this? What would God have me do? And I'm not saying that's always easy to answer, but are we at least like going that direction? Are we turning to him for that? I think it was Albert Einstein who, who once said, um, I want to think the thoughts of God. Everything else is details. That's having God's wisdom. When you just... You're thinking the thoughts of God. You're living the way he wants you to live because your heart is aligned with his and he's just like pouring his wisdom into you. Right? Maybe as we start the 21 days of prayer, that would be the thing you want to seek from God. There's a spot in the front of your book where you can write out you know, what you specifically feel like God's wanting to do in your life. And maybe for some of us, we just say, man, there's a wisdom deficit in some areas and I'm gonna do James 1.5. For 21 days straight, I'm going to ask God to give me his wisdom. It says that he'll give it to you generously. You can take him at his word. Maybe there's a decision in front of you that you're trying to make, and you're like, I'm not sure what to do, and it's not clear to me. Or there's an obstacle in your way. There's a, there's some, or there's a, maybe there's a temptation you continually battle against, whatever it is. Maybe for those 21 days, you want to go right at that thing and seek God's wisdom for overcoming it. Paul says in verse 17, kind of summarize it. He says, therefore, do not be foolish. There's that word. There's the opposite of wisdom. But understand what the Lord's will is. That's what we all want. That's what we're trying to do. God, what do you want me to do with my life? What do you want me to do today in this situation? What's your will for me? You know, a, 
right before Christmas, I forget what day it was. Was it maybe Thursday, Friday? We had that ice storm that kind of blew in for 24 hours. And then it was 62 degrees, like 24 hours later. Does anybody remember that? Um, Snowmageddon, or, you know, I think we got, you know, a quarter inch or something. Um, if I've learned anything in the 12 years I've lived in Oregon, it's that when, when ice hits, when snow hits, you just stay home, right? Now, not all of us can. I understand that some of us, our jobs are still open. We got to go to work. Or, or some of us, we're the people pulling the people out of the ditch. That is our job, you know? But it, when snow hits in, in Oregon, I just learned you just, you just stay home, which frustrates me because I grew up in the Midwest and, and we had way worse storms all the time, um, particularly the three years that Cassie and I lived in Minnesota, but also in Ohio and Indiana and stuff. I mean, just massive amounts of snow and ice. And I drove in it all the time. And it wasn't like I had some expedition with studded tires and stuff. I'd never heard of snow chains in my life. Like, no one uses those. Like, I didn't know. It's like, what is going on around here? Um, and, and so, like, I, felt, I feel really comfortable driving in ice. But I still stay home. You know why? Because of you. <laughs> I don't trust you. Have you ever noticed, by the way, have you ever noticed no one's a bad driver? No one's like, I'm really bad at driving in this. It's always those people. I'm staying home because of them. They don't know how to drive. Like, no one ever admits that they're the them. Have you ever noticed that? It's like, someone's the them, or this doesn't make any sense. Now, you might be an amazing driver in that stuff, okay? I'll just, that's fine. But the truth is, no matter how careful I am behind the wheel, no matter how much experience I have, no matter how safe I feel and kind of know what to do, if other people on the road don't know how to drive on it, right, if they get a little loose and start sliding and, and, and they try to turn against their slide, which is the opposite of what you should do, or they rev their engine or they pump their brakes on the ice or all the wrong things that you're not supposed to do, it doesn't matter how good of a driver I am, right? They'll take me out. They'll hit me. Get this, this is what Paul is trying to say here. The days are evil, okay? There, there are other factors at play besides your maturity and your experience as to whether or not you can stay on the road. There are spiritual forces in this world aiming for you, right? There are other people, and... And just like the best drivers in the world don't pay attention only to their own lane, but you kind of make sure you know what everyone else is doing, right? If you see a car and they're getting a little squirrely, you should probably back off just a little bit, right? That's how wise people live their lives. So one of the reasons this is important, one of the reasons we need guardrails isn't just because we probably need them in our lives, it's also because there's lots of other people around us who refuse to live with any. And if you surround yourself with people who have zero guardrails, watch out for yourself by having guardrails. You following me? See, our culture doesn't get this and our culture doesn't encourage this. I think guardrails are kind of silly or old-fashioned or whatever. We're good with painted lines, for the most part, especially the ones that have like dashes that you can cross back and forth whenever you want. Our culture's totally fine with those. But a guardrail, like a cement guardrail, that's, well, that's awfully old. That's black and white. That's just, you know, that's legalistic or, or you know, whatever. Um, I think G.K. Chesterton sums up really well how our culture 
tends to look at this topic. And he's writing in the 1930s, so some of this language is a bit archaic, but I think he's right. He says, there exists in such a case a certain institution or law. Let us say for the sake of simplicity, a fence or a gate gets erected across a road. The modern type of reformer goes gaily up to it and says, I don't see the use of this. Let's clear it away. To which the more intelligent type of reformer would do well to answer, well, if you don't see the use of it, I certainly won't let you clear it away. Go away and think. Then when you could come back and tell me what you do see the use of it, then I may allow you, may allow you to destroy it. Okay, J.F. Kennedy, he summarized this one time by saying, Chesterton was saying, um, if you don't know why a fence was put up in the first place, you shouldn't take it down. That's exactly what we love to do. Particularly my generation and younger, I'm gonna pick on us for a minute. I, I see this all the time where it's like, oh my gosh, that is so old fashioned. All my parents or my grandparents, they're just so, they need to get with the times, you know, or whatever. It's like, guess what they said to their parents? The same thing. I can't, I can't believe, you, people who lived through the 60s and the 70s are now the responsible ones telling us how to live. They don't even remember half of the 60s. Right? Because why? Because when they were there, they're like, I can't believe this fence is here. What a dumb idea. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. And then they got to have kids themselves. And they got in their 40s and their 50s or whatever. And they were like, oh my gosh, we got to help our kids. We got to put a fence here. And guess what their kids did? <laughs> Kick the fence down. And then those kids had kids. Guess what they did? Oh, we better put a fence there. Just like over and over and over again. We love to tear down the boundaries of prior generations, and we don't really think about, oh, well, maybe, maybe there was a reason. Maybe there was some wisdom behind the way they were living. I'm not saying they all got it right. None of us get it right all the time. This really came to a head um, in 2017. A story broke, big news broke, that our then uh, vice president, uh, Mike Pence, had, somehow it was revealed that he had a, some, some rules for how he lived his life, that he chose to never eat alone uh, with a member of the opposite sex, with another woman. Um, he chose to not go to parties and events if alcohol was going to be served and his wife wasn't going to be present. And you kind of read between the lines there maybe and figure like, okay, there must have been some experience or something that caused him to go like, that's just not a wise thing for us, so I'm not going to do that. And so news broke about that. I don't know if you guys remember that story or if you were following that. Um, and he got kind of talked about, and also Billy Graham got brought back up because this is known, some of this is known as the Billy Graham rule because the, the, Graham was a famous evangelist, of course, and he was known for having pretty strict boundaries uh, with the opposite sex when he was on the road um, and traveling a lot and, and kind of who he would ride with and where he would stay and, and all of these kinds of things. So they were talking about how, you know, Mike Pence had brought back the Billy Graham rules. And people just went off on Pence. Like, I read story after story, listened to podcasts, YouTube videos of people just hammering Mike Pence for what they felt was out of date and, and um, damaging uh, to, to women and, and all of these things. Now, some of that is because Pence is a politician, 
And if, if it's the guy on the other team, you just hate everything they say or do. Can we just agree to that? Whatever team you're on, I'm on none of your teams, so I don't really care. But whatever team you're on, if the other guy does it, it's bad, right? So some of the headlines were because he's a politician. And there is some truth. I want to make this very clear. There is some truth that sometimes the way these boundaries get practiced or what, how they get applied um, can be hurtful to women. It can send the wrong message that, that women are intrinsically tempting or, or evil or um, women sometimes don't get promoted or don't get enough time, especially in a workplace environment. It's because like, well, the boss can't spend any time with you. Therefore, you don't get a seat at the table and you don't ever get a chance to get you know, promoted or brought. You know. And so I understand that. There are ways that you have to do this that are wise. Right? There's foolish ways to even follow these rules. But it's incredible to be watch the media drag Mike Pence through the mud for what are his personal guardrails. Not rules for everyone else. Rules that he set up for himself, that him and his wife agreed to. Some boundaries, some personal guardrails that he established based on his own personal convictions of where he felt like, I need to draw a line there. And he got hammered for it. And here's what's interesting. If Mike Pence didn't have those guardrails and he crossed the line, he messed up. He wandered into the danger zone or even appeared to do so. He would get absolutely crushed for that too. Maybe more so. So this is this weird time that we're living in. Here's how I would summarize it. Our culture despises guardrails but shames people who wreck their lives. That's weird. Don't put any boundaries. Just live how you want. Do what you want. Be happy. You do you. And then when, when you live that way and things go off the rails and you make a mess of your life, right, you have the affair, you go bankrupt, you hurt other people, whatever it is, when you, when you live with no guardrails but then you wreck your life, here's what happens. The whole, you know, you be you crowd becomes the I can't believe you crowd. Isn't that weird? What a weird time. We despise guardrails, but we shame people who break through them. And I'm just thinking, you know, what if there's a way, maybe, to just avoid all that? Because I've just determined, because I've, I've had even people, you know, say, well, I, you know, you won't ride in the car with that person. You won't do this. I mean, that's just crazy, you know. I've just decided I would rather live my life with a little mockery than regret. I, I'll, I'll make that trade off. That's fine. I'd rather people go, man, I just don't get that. You are just so like uptight. I would, I'll take that. That's fine. I would rather live that way than ruin my family or ruin my life. Paul actually ends this whole scenario, this whole idea of wisdom and foolishness and all this with an example, like a test case for where you could apply this. Okay, so verse 18. So he's, he's done all the wisdom stuff and you know, know what the Lord's will is. Then he says, do not get drunk on wine, 
which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, this is a tough verse to preach on on New Year's Day. Uh, I hope it's not that tough. Uh, I didn't write it, okay? This is another one of those scenarios where I didn't think it through. Uh, Paul brings up alcohol as one of those areas where if you're not careful, or if you lack wisdom, or if you lack boundaries and guardrails, you can really wreck your life. And I'm seeing heads nod, and, and so I, I bet we could pass the mic around, and we could all share stories from our own life, from the lives of other people, where, or maybe where we've been hurt, other people have been hurt, because someone lacked a guardrail with alcohol. Now, here's what I want us to notice. And again, this is just one example, but wine isn't the issue for Paul here. It's what too much wine leads to. Do you see that? So it's don't get drunk on wine, which by the way, their wine was different than our wine and their water was also more likely to make you sick than the wine. So different culture. There's a reason why, anyway, we won't go there. But don't get drunk on wine. Why? Because that leads to this word debauchery. It's not a word that we use very often, but I think we all go, yeah, that's not good. That doesn't sound good at all, right? <laughs> debauchery, like however you define that, that ain't good, right? <laughs> so this is bad, not because of itself, but because what too much of it can lead to. So you could switch this. Like you could use this as a formula for anything in your life. Don't do this because this might lead to this. This is the whole guardrail system. It's not about this. It's about what this could potentially turn into. So don't, Paul's like, don't tiptoe up to the line because here's the thing. How, how do you know, let's just use, again, using alcohol as an example. How do you know how much is too much? Well, however you answer that, is a guardrail. Because however you answer that is the danger zone. That's where you don't want to go. And so if this is too much, the, the whole point is like, well, I'm not going to tiptoe up to it and just kind of dance with it a little bit and see how close I can get to it. We would never do that with a cliff, right? That's the reason, again, going back to it, the reason the guardrail is way over here is so you don't even get close to the problem. So you don't get close to the danger zone. Again, alcohol is just one example, but there's lots of landmines. There's lots of booby traps ready to take us out because the days are evil. And here's what I know, and here's why I want to do this whole series. I don't think any of us are starting off 2023 going, you know what? I think I want to wreck my life this year. I think, I think this is the year where I do it, where I just really ruin everything. Right? Nobody plans to wreck their life but we also don't plan not to. I know that's a double negative, but think about it. The problem is we don't plan not to, meaning we don't have good boundaries. We don't have guardrails in place to prevent us from going off the edge. So as you're setting your goals, and I hope you do that. I, I'm gonna be doing that. Um, as you're setting your goals, you're thinking about who you want to be this year, what you want to do, all of those things. Would you think about guardrails? That's what I want to challenge you to do this month. Is there any place in your life, and this is just between you and the Lord, okay? 
So any place in your life where you're flirting with disaster, and you know, like you know, or maybe there's some areas where you're just, you're walking too close to the edge, right? Hasn't, hasn't been a problem yet, but it could be. What would it look like for you partnering with the wisdom of God, not your wisdom, the wisdom of God, to take a step back, to create some space, some margin between you and the danger zone before you cause any further damage? What would that look like for you? Because I'm really tired. Can I just be Pastor Mike for a minute? I'm really tired of meeting with people who've blown up their entire lives, blown up their entire family, meeting with their children because they could handle it. It'd be all right. It's fine. I got this. When they don't have it. And if they would just practice this one thing, if they would just say, you know what? I'm not even, I don't want to even have the appearance of evil in my life. I don't even want to get close. I don't even want to play with it. Then we would never end up there to begin with. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to unpack some of these areas that I think are the most common pitfalls. You know, they're, they're the things that trip us up. They're, they're the places where um, without a good boundary, without a good guardrail, we are in trouble to drive right off the cliff. And so I hope you'll join us. We're going to cover relationships. We're going to cover finances, uh, marriage specifically, some other things that I just time and time again, I go, these are the biggies. Like these are the ones where we get ourselves in trouble. Okay, so I hope you'll join us. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for the wisdom of your word. Um, this is one of those things that whether we've been walking with you for years and years and years, or we're a brand new follower of you, or even if we're here today or we're watching online and, and we wouldn't say we've even committed our lives to you, there's just wisdom in this. There's just, this, there, this is the blessed way to live. It's how you design the world to work. It's the grain of the universe. And when we try to run against the grain, we get splinters. We get hurt. So God, I pray that you would help each one of us just to listen to your voice today. It's probably a different area, a different boundary line for all of us and maybe even different areas, Lord. I pray that your spirit would just reveal that to us and that you would begin to show us your wisdom on how to not only protect ourselves, but protect those around us um, how we can live with boundaries, even if everyone around us isn't. In fact, even more important for us to learn how to do this if we're the only ones around us that care enough to do it, Lord. Um, these are hard days. What you said in Ephesians is still true. The days are evil. And we need your help. We need your wisdom. Because we wanna live a life that not only minimizes damage, um, but honors you, Lord, as our king. We wanna honor you. We pray this in your name, amen.